Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For thousands of years, human beings have wondered about entering the afterlife. Do we climb a golden staircase or walk towards a light? Is it a vast, expansive paradise or just an endless, meaningless void? Turns out it's none of those things. It's just me, waiting with my clipboard, ready to collect three questions for God. This is God Only Knows, a podcast that kills its guests before they even get to say a word only to meet them as they step out of the eternal elevator and submit their three questions to God, whoever or whatever he, she or it may be to them. Joining me straight out of the eternal elevator is Nahal Athanaika. Hello, Nahal. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm looking forward to my celestial... Uh, well, I've had the celestial invitations, so and yes. that's the celestial waiting room uh, <laughs> and how was your how was your journey here did you like the lift do you like what we've done with the place yeah i thought the lift was good i recently had to do uh some uh, a big car manufacturer asked me if i would Ooh. uh record the floor one floor two really get out liquor yeah so i i'm oh. now lift muzak in a kind of verbal form i feel like more than anything else that could happen and and you know we'll come to your achievements in a minute but i feel like more than any award or, or any kind of accolade being the voice of a lift in a building that's pretty big right i think so i think so because that is instructional it's authoritative yeah, yeah. It, it it needs respect it does you know, that's you, the word i mean I, <laughs> It's not the problem. Is it's not like it's the, you know, Rockefeller Plaza or something. No, it, no. It's only three. It's only two floors. So there's like ground <laughs> one and two. So it, I feel a little bit though. It's it's my beginning. It's yes. my, it's an entry level yes. lift voiceover. Yes. Right. And I'm I'm planning on speaking to my agent about thinking about a few more doing for lifts with more floors yeah. and charge by eventually. the floor obviously as well won't you I that's think, the idea i think so yeah, i think you have I think to so. you have to i think so yeah uh, now, think so. now before we begin the hub you have to um submit a heavenly profile for us now you're going to give your questions to god but we need to fill out this profile so a few details your full name please it's nihal seneca arthur Nayaka. and your occupation uh, I am a broadcaster, primarily, mm. a radio broadcaster. Yeah. And any notable achievements? Well, I've kept my kids. <laughs> so 
that's good. I haven't managed to do anything that means they want to divorce yeah, me. Yeah, that's a strong start. Which so they haven't hinted at that. Although my son's just turned thirteen, so it's coming. He's not quite. In the, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> Potentially, it's coming. So I mean, I have an army of lawyers ready yeah. to fight that yeah, when yeah, he eventually yeah. decides yeah. to divorce me. But but you know, um, so that it's an achievement. Mm. Staying married. Yes, it certainly is having kids yes. you know that's the pretty much the bigger there's all the professional achievements stuff. and there are some of those i mean Which, you've, you've won some awards oh, along the good. way i first heard you on radio one many many years ago um you were kind of a, a, a huge voice on that channel and then you've sort of moved through there so you were you went from there was it to the bbc radio asian network is that right yes asian network yes. and now people of course would listen to you uh, every day on bbc radio five live as well yes yes so i made that migration from dj Specialist music DJ to yeah. daytime radio one while still doing specialist yeah. to speech on uh, BBC Asia Network, which yeah. actually involved music and speech. And then that was almost the kind of audition process over quite a few years yeah. to get to the point at which I could come to five live. And it's a great show. It's a, it's a really great show. I think anyone who uh, listens to it knows you, you're, you're a brilliant interviewer. I have to say there's, there's been a few people when I've come to do this show that I've been nervous about because it feels like I, I, I am on the wrong side of this microphone. I'm asking a very, very great interviewer questions, which always makes me a little bit. I had Patrick Kilty last year and I said the same thing. I grew up watching Patrick Kilty interview people and then he came on my show and I was like, oh, I don't know if I could do this. And I feel a little bit the same tonight as well because you are very good at it. Yeah, I think, you know, the art of the art of interviewing is listening. Mm. It's that simple, really. And and doing your research. But hopefully, hopefully. It's only, it's only downhill from here if I screw it up. Um, so when we talk about coming to um, to meet this God, and we always say this, people get to define who that is. In your imagination for this, what are you imagining? What, what are you seeing as this God? What is this afterlife? I'm hoping it's mm. like the um, Kanye West video for power. Okay. Which, if you haven't seen it, it's Kanye West with this just ridiculous gold sphinx's head or pharaoh's head mm. pendant mm -hmm. on this massive chain. And it, there are columns behind it, like Greco-Roman columns. Yeah. And then there are, uh, there are kind of women going like this around him, okay. dressed in very kind of wispy toga-like okay. garments. And then there are some other women playing kind of giant trumpets that you'd imagine the okay. angel Gabriel had okay. at his disposal. And then there are these two incredibly hench men who are jumping over him with swords in their hands. So it's very dramatic. Mm. Mm. It's very, very, um, I guess, celestial in a Kanye West <laughs> idea. <laughs> Because, I mean, he probably has a kind of God complex of his own. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. So so uh, I'm, I'm imagining, I'm hoping it's that. Yeah, with that? that song, Power. In the background. No one man should have this much power. Yeah. Uh, I think is, uh, is probably a great like it. statement. It's quite yeah. specific as well, which I love. I like, I like how much yeah. detail. Normally, you know, often people just go, ah, you know, big gates, clouds. You know, you've gone full detail. I like it. You've given us everything. Yeah, there. yeah. Now, what we do need to do is figure out how you got here. So I am going to uh, give you the, our spinning wheel of death. Okay. Okay, yeah. so these are your options for what wow. actually brought you here. It's quite a few. Mm. There we go. So God, you have got, so... you fell off a revolving chair at the Palladium. Fell off a revolving chair at the Palladium. Yeah. 
Okay, who was I seeing at the Palladium, I oh, wonder? I mean, you've started low there. I was assuming you were on stage. No, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that I would be... I would be uh, in the crowd, actually. Oh, okay. But, uh, okay. But, but there wouldn't be a revolving chair for health and safety reasons no. in the auditorium, no. would there? No, So it would have to be on stage. So maybe I'm doing a in-conversation. Oh, okay. Right. I'm doing an in-conversation with Donald Trump. <laughs> he's, on the, right. he's on the victory tour, is he? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, on his, he's on his fake ballots <laughs> tour, right? So... Um, yeah, so he's the recount of Monte Cristo, <laughs> or for the benefit of his knights, right? We're just trying any puns we can, right? Agent Orange, tried anything. Yeah. So uh, the comeback tour, and um, yeah, so we're on stage, and he's kind of going into one. So I'm on mm. a revolving chair, mm. and I, and I fell off the revolving chair, and that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all the details we get. So we have to fill in the blanks, I'm afraid, around the rest right. of it. But that so, feels like we're, we're, so, doing, we're getting there. This feels like we're on the right path. Right. And I realized that in terms of interviewing, I should have gone in with the easier stuff first. Uh, okay. you've start, you know. So you've started with the tough stuff. You've gone you've gone in too early. Yeah. yeah. And and he's he's bristling. Mm. He's not being his usual thick skinned, charming self. Oh, wow. OK. Yeah. He's he's uh, he's I don't, I don't like those questions. So he takes great umbrage at that. Yeah. Um, I then, in a kind of ouncy, flouncy way of showing yeah. my frustration, a bit like Joe Biden did in the first presidential yeah. debate, we go, oh, shut up, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I go a little bit like that. Right. So then I, I oh, like this. At which point, as I'm doing this, my earpiece comes out, at which point, I then lunge forward to try and catch it, yeah. which his security oh, guys yeah. think yeah. of as me lunging towards President Trump. Mm. And of course, you know, I'm brown skinned. I've got a beard. They're already on high alert because I look like someone that uh, that uh, they feel has their photo fit, a bad guy. So they come running in. I'm about to fall off precariously. They then knock the chair over. I then go over the stage, fall quite hard mm -hmm. and break and break my neck it's a way to go isn't it i mean what a way to go what a way the last person i see yeah as my eyes slightly thing is just him going looking down at me yeah. just going you're you're a very bad person very bad dying <laughs> person you're dying yeah. dying you're not even dying yeah. well you're I, I, very yeah. bad he prefers people who don't die that's his yes. preference. He he's thought, a loser. Yeah. He's <laughs> calling me a loser for dying. That's exactly what he's doing. He's saying that. You know, he's keeping it real. He's saying, losers. Only losers die. You're dying. That makes you a loser. So, Nahal, your first question for God. Well, the one that's quite personal, hmm. and it's one that you always kind of would love an answer to. Mm. I'm asking, is my dad proud of me? Because mm. he's not with me anymore and he hasn't been for 20 years and he never got to see anything of, you know, I was a PR in the music industry when he died, which was, you know, fun. Mm. It's a fun job. And it, you know, I was working for Elton John and it was, wow. you know, we we're going to New York and mm. we were doing all these kind of interesting things. 
but he never got to see the BBC and, mm. you know, uh, I was a board member of the British Council. Mm. I was a trustee of the South Bank Centre. Mm. I went on trips for the British Council to Kenya and to Lebanon. Mm. And, and he never got to meet his grandchildren. Mm. He never got to see all the awards I won. Mm. So it would be nice to just have a conversation mm. with him again, mm. you know. Uh, and ask him about how he feels both my brother and I have done, mm. you know. So, so how old were you when your dad died? So I was uh, 29. Okay, yeah, so quite young to lose your yeah. dad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and up until that point, so you said you've been working in the music industry and all those things. Had, you, had your dad kind of supported you all the way through that? Had he kind of been kind of behind you all the way through those choices and all those things about where you go into? Because things like the media, journalism, the music industry, often for parents, they can be quite worrying. It's not necessarily a pride thing, but it's more a stability thing, right? Had, had he been a supporter of you? I think he had accepted mm. that we weren't going to be academic high flyers. Okay. You know, he accepted that we weren't going to be doctors. Mm. He had accepted that my talents certainly lay elsewhere, but he didn't really know what they were. Mm. Mm. So, but they'd never, they'd never stood in the way. Mm. They'd always let me follow my own course. And that, you know, and that would have troubled him a lot because, you know, I ended up getting a C, D and an E in my A-levels mm. and he was a straight A student with okay. a you know degrees in mathematics and physics and oh, wow. you know a really really clever man yeah. and certainly on paper I wasn't mm. and you know he's from that generation of Asians where you're expected to be doctors and lawyers mm. and mm. perhaps engineers and mm. and his sons hadn't done that my, my to be fair my brother became an accountant he's a very clever man and at this stage I was you know living in London I was independent but I was kind of rootless, mm. you know, I'd, I'd been a rapper, I'd been an MC, I'd been mm. into music, I'd signed record deals in the 90s and he'd seen me go through all that. Mm. But at the time he died, I had a degree of stability, but, mm. you know, I was coming up to 30, I wasn't married, I didn't have a, I had a long-term girlfriend, but I didn't really want to have kids with her and mm. I didn't really want to marry her. So there was all these things going on. So he he got to see the stressful parts mm. but he didn't get to see the successes mm. you know and that's such a shame such a shame mm. that he didn't get to meet his grandchildren especially because mm. he would have adored them mm. like absolutely adored them and um and you never get over it mm. you, know, you just never get over losing mm. a parent mm. you know unless unless the parent i guess was horrible my parents weren't horrible they were yeah fantastic yeah so you know you just and, and you feel i feel a i feel a degree of guilt that i didn't mm. fulfill his expectations of me earlier yeah now he'd be over the moon yeah, right he'd be over yeah. the moon with it. But, <laughs> but but at the time certainly through my 20s that that i didn't do that for him mm. you know I, I was just too much of a a rebel and it was music and the creative arts mm. and rapping and hip hop mm. culture. And that mm. was important to me. Mm. Right. You know, I didn't do enough, I think then to make him feel, 
just not even proud. I think just comfortable that he'd set us on the right path. So he must have spent mm. many nights, and I don't know, but thinking, what's going to become of him? Mm. You know, what's he going to do? Mm. You know, he's not going to be a rapper when he's 35 years old, right? Yeah. He's not, you know, okay, he's a music journalist, but it's weird. Mm. I don't really get it. Mm. You know, yeah, he's a publicist in the music industry, yeah. but I don't really get that. Yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. understand where it is. So and he never got to see any of that. Mm. So it's just be, I would just ask God to find out if he was proud. Yeah. Did, did the reflections on your dad change when you became a father for the first time? Did that impact how you felt about that loss yeah. or that relationship? Yeah. So my dad was, and, and maybe a, a number of people will of my age will share a similar experience. He was a guy that never said he loved us, mm. but, but you knew he did, mm. but it wouldn't have been in his way mm. to say, I love you, son. Mm. Um, and I wish he had, mm. I think it's magical that we knew he did without him saying it, mm. but it's fantastic. I think that as a reaction to that, I tell my kids I love them every night. Mm. And in fact, multiple times, mm. I might send them a WhatsApp <laughs> or a text telling them, mm. you know, I, I never tire of doing mm. it. Um, and I, d I don't know. It's, it's interesting. You sometimes think, is there a, a law of diminishing returns to how many times you tell your kids, <laughs> you know, that you love them? And, and then you quite rightly say to yourself, you can never tell your kids you love them enough, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There's no threshold on that. Nope. Right. So that's one of the things. Mm. Yeah. And actually, my love of the news and current affairs is from him mm. because he used to watch the six o'clock, the nine o'clock, the 10 o'clock news. Yeah. Like without fail, he'd watch all yeah. three news. And growing up, I'd be like, Dad, like, why are you watching the nine o'clock yeah. news? It hasn't changed yeah. for three hours ago. <laughs> why are you doing this? Yeah. Um, and he had the Times newspaper every mm. single day. Like wow. every that would be a ritual that he would read, get home, yeah. sit in his favorite chair and read the times. Yeah. And so we had that around us and we were such yeah. a blessing to have that kind of father in our lives, yeah. you know, you know, such a blessing, such a clever man. Mm. And like you, you know. say, for what you do now, you know, you have a, a daily show on probably the country's biggest news and current affairs radio station that clearly has worked on you which again then sort of leads to that thing of man I wish you could have seen it right I wish you could yeah. have seen how that yeah. that impacted as a, as a dad now you talked about telling your kids you love them do you worry about their choices as a dad or or do you think that's impacted you in a way that means you don't maybe in the same way I think that I think they'll be fine hmm. because we're giving them such a foundation in love and support and education mm. that, and they're surrounded by interesting kids. Mm. Our friends are interesting. They do interesting jobs. Mm -hmm. So I think Matt, they'll be fine. Like I'm not going to, I've seen too many Asian parents beating themselves up about their kids becoming doctors. And, mm. and I, I don't care. Mm. Right. All we've said to them is whatever you choose to do, be the best at it. Mm. Right. That's that's all, mm. like work hard to be the best at mm. it. I don't want you to be average at anything mm. you do. I want you to be which some people might be listening. And go, geez, that's a lot of pressure. But I think that's I think that when you're an, an immigrant, you have to think about things with slightly different rules, because 
and I, I wouldn't say this expressly to my kids, but the, there is a, 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 there is a aspect of the odds are stacked against you mm. because you are a minority. Mm. Right. So, so I don't think I've, I, well, I don't feel guilty about saying don't be average, mm. right. Don't be average at anything, mm. right. Just get involved, get out of it because, mm. and, and, you know, look, they've, they can see all their dad's awards and, mm. and their mother is an extraordinarily strong, proud mm. woman with so much energy. Mm. So they're surrounded by that. Um, so hopefully they'll take that and then, then, then be something, you know, be something. And they, mm. and they have to know they can be anything. Mm. You get this question to God and the question is, is my dad proud of me? What do you think the answer would be? Um. Y- yes, like a resounding. I've spoke to him, and uh, he has seen you. Mm. He's seen you grow, mm. and he really deeply wishes that he would have been there to mm. experience it. But it's given him a great deal of solace to know that what he did the foundation that he gave you while it took longer than I would have liked. And I didn't mm. live to see mm. it. Actually, it came good. Mm. It came good. Mm. And I did a good job and I was a good dad. Right. That's, that's the message at which point I'll burst into tears. Obviously. <laughs> I think we all will. I think we'll all yeah. burst into tears. It'll yeah, just be yeah, a mess. Yeah. It'll just yeah, be it would be, <laughs> be an absolute mess. Even the, even mess. the two fellas with the swords, they're crying. Oh, yeah. Kanye's crying. Yeah. Oh, Kanye's, ta- Kanye's taking his chain off. He's giving it to me. I'm like, I don't really want that. It's bizarre. He's, he's offering me my own trainer line. I mean, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, Nahal, your second question for God. What is truth? Oh. Because I'm working, or I used to work in news, Mm. and as you see God down on earth now, people are 
having their own truth mm. and they're claiming that you have told them the truth mm -hmm. and they're using you and they're using that word truth to manipulate and exploit other people. So I want to know what is truth Ooh. because technology has now given me multiple truths. Yeah. It has also built echo chambers yeah. around me. So I need some guidance for the people I left behind. Mm. Give them a sign. Mm. Mm. Tell them what truth is. Come down. Stop letting these people use your name to exploit other people mm. financially, spiritually, socially. Stop doing it. Come down and say, I am the truth. This is the truth. You wanted to raise $25 million to get a new plane to go and spread my gospel. That's not the truth. <laughs> because what's interesting, I guess, is that for anyone who follows a particular faith or belief system, they would argue, of course, that has happened. But it's just whatever they happen to interpret it to be. <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? That's right? the thing. That's the thing. I, I mean, I've said this so many times that your religion is, is okay as long as it tells you this is a truth once your religion tells you this is the truth it becomes hugely problematic because of course if you believe that your religion is the truth every other religion is a lie so how can you have respect for other faiths mm. if you can accept a pluralism mm. of ideas and mm. say look my relationship with a higher being, if I indeed believe in one, is personal to me mm. and the tenets of my faith. Mm. But the tenets of my faith are no better or worse than the tenets of your faith. Then we're good, right? The problem becomes, of course, which leads to genocides mm. and holocausts mm. Mm. and terrorist attacks, is when you're convinced it is the truth, mm. not a truth. Because it's interesting, isn't it? Because I guess the, the, the point you make about individual religions or individual religious people is that there needs to be this certain understanding that what they understand it to be is not necessarily the answer. But then the question to God is, come and give us the answer. So, so you believe that there is an answer. Do you believe there is a truth? There is a kind of an objective truth in that sense. I believe that the truth is that there is no single truth, right? Mm. So... In that respect, you are looking for simplicity where none exists, mm. right? And the worst thing I could give you is simple solutions to complicated issues. So I want you to use the mind you've been given mm. to explore different ideas and different truths. Mm. And through that, you will be more wholesome, more holistic, mm. more rounded, mm. and we can learn to understand each other. Mm. The truth is understanding each other, isn't it? Rather than getting them to understand me. Mm. That's fascinating. So your your personal kind of spiritual background is in Buddhism, am I right? That's where you're mm. kind of that's the kind of faith that you were brought up in and all of that. And and I know that from your time on BBC Asian Network, I, I used to see a lot on social media and stuff like that. Anytime you would engage in any sort of faith conversation, you would find yourself getting 
you know, picked on from everybody because you could never quite yeah. get it right. And I guess this sort of colors the experience you've had then in a sense, because you, in your work, in your broadcasting, you, you've tackled some of these issues around individual faiths or, or other faith All groups. Yeah. yeah. So do you, I guess that experience for you, has that shaped this view you've come to or has your Buddhism shaped it more? Which would you say it is or is that a, a, com- a combination? Well, one of the things I always remember about Buddhism, it says man has no refuge but man. Now, of course, in 21st century, quite rightly, it would be human has no refuge but human. And the point of that is that you can't just pray away your lack of responsibility. You have a responsibility for your own actions. And you have to take that seriously. Mm. Karma is a really fascinating thing. And it's a very complicated philosophical mm. idea. But in mm. its simplest form, of course, is that you know actions have reactions, yeah. have ramifications. Mm. And those ramifications can come back to you. Mm. You put positivity out into the world, positivity will come back to you. You mm. put negativity out in the world, mm. negativity will come back to you. Mm. And that in its most basic form, I believe. I mean, it's self-evident that if you surround yourself with bitter, twisted bullies, you'll probably become one and you won't be happy, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. surround yourself with vain, superficial, materialistic people. Mm-hmm. You won't be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. But you surround with people who bring joy into your life and they laugh and they have mm. fun, and, but also they're open to discuss mm. when they're hurting. Mm. You're probably going to have a much better life. If the question then turned back on you and sort of said, well, you tell me, like, what is it? Truth is empathy and curiosity. Mm. They're the two words that I feel are most important mm. to me. Mm. If you have empathy and curiosity, you should be good, mm. right? You, mm. you will be you will be a net contributor to planet Earth with those two yeah. things, right? Yeah. Right. And if you have neither of those things, you are on the debtor's side mm. of society, mm. of your contribution, mm. right? You're you're running a net loss mm. at what you're giving to society, mm. right? That's that's one of the things I've learned from, and it was very nice and very kind of you to say uh, about me as an interviewer. Mm. It's one of the things I've learned is that it's empathy and curiosity. Mm. And then you're, you're good. You know, that will lead you into any place. If you're curious, you will be able to be a successful entrepreneur, mm. uh, an amazing politician, actually. Mm. And um, a problem solver. Mm. If you're empathetic, you will think about your fellow human beings. You'll Mm. put yourself in their place, which will then help you through your curiosity to formulate solutions Mm. to their problems. Mm. So maybe the truth is that. Truth is empathy and curiosity. Mm. And I think you're right. I think if you stay empathetic and you stay curious, you're probably always getting closer to truth anyway, right? And you're, you're bound to have an interesting life. Yeah. And that, that means that the frustrations of, of not making it, of boredom, mm. of blaming someone else for your own mm. shortcomings doesn't happen. Dahal, mm. one more question. So your third question for God. My mum was born in 1938, right? She was 23 years old in 1961. Mm -hmm. She was still in Sri Lanka. She hadn't come here. She's now 82. Mm. 
She has grandchildren. She's lived here for well over 50 years. Mm. And still in all of that time, since she was 23 years old to this day, Tottenham Hotspur have not won the league. <laughs> so my question for God would be, when will Spurs win the league? <laughs> it is such a wonderful question because I think it, it sort of goes right back to that thing. You know, you talked about your last one, about you, know, you can't pray away your kind of thing. But oh, how many of us become faithful on match day, right? <laughs> but the thing is about Spurs, which I love, is that it is, it's very closely linked with the Jewish community. Mm. And there is a particular type, I think, of Jewish fatalism. Mm. right which is just so in tune with being spursy <laughs> because you know you could sit next to uh, a wonderful spurs fan and i love doing this yeah and they've been coming to spurs white Hart lane for 50 years yeah. 60 years elderly jewish gentlemen yeah. we could be nine nil up in the 85th minute and he's holding out for a draw right this guy He's holding yeah. out. He's, I mean, going, he's looking at me. He's going, I, hopefully, you don't know, son. I've been I've been coming here for five decades. Yeah. You never know till the final whistle. We're going to mess this up. I can't believe it. And it's all wailing of hands. And I love it. I yeah. absolutely love it. I so, mean, he could be a Jewish prophet knowing how Spurs can throw away a lead, to be fair. Yeah, I, I mean, know. Well, yes, well. <laughs> I know, I know, I know that. Have you always have you always been a Spurs fan? You grew up in Essex, didn't you? Yeah, so so Glenn Hoddle went to my school. Ah, right? okay. Right. And he was he so and so when I joined that school, it was 1982. Okay. When Spurs had won the FA Cup two seasons in a row, Glenn Hoddle was one of the best footballers in England. Mm -hmm. And he had been to my school. This was extraordinary. Mm. So so it was Tottenham from the age of, yeah, from, from that kind of age, from yeah. 10, 11, yeah. that was it. So yeah. it's now, but I've, I've definitely been a fair weather friend for a fan, sorry, for a long time. Yeah. So I think that if you were talking about the nineties, I wasn't really on it. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't really yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I think I've only really, really totally got involved again. Cause the, the whole invincibles and venga it was yeah. just horrendous yeah. like it was horrendous yeah. it was like seeing your ex drive past in a <laughs> with a new boyfriend in a lamborghini every weekend right it was just it was horrendous so so that put me off for a long time because yeah. it just you know we would just be a kind of a bit of a laughing stock and the only thing we had you to look forward to was maybe having a good cup run yeah drawing or beating Arsenal, yeah. which we didn't manage to do that yeah. often <laughs> and finishing the top half of the table, yeah. right? That, that, that was it yeah. for, for so many years. And, and I have to say, you know, my, 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 my son has really, really, cause it's a brilliant way to bond with him. Oh yeah. To hang out with him, yeah. to have conversations with yeah. him. It's something that, you know, it means that he now, has a, a bank of memories yeah. of he and I going to games yeah, together. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. And that will be, 
And what I love seeing mm. at Spurs, and any football fan loves seeing, mm. is when you see an old boy with his son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. You see a guy in his yeah. 60s and he's yeah. his like 30-year-old yeah. son. Or yeah. 30, yeah. And they're going, all right, Dad, and he's yeah. helping him and he's getting yeah. a pie and they're yeah. having a beer yeah. together. Yeah. And it's just the loveliest thing yeah. to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know? you get a lot of stick for stuff. And one of the things you get stick for is being a Spurs fan because your crew, your Twitter followers, everyone gives you a hard time. But that's not the only thing. You you get a lot of stick for a lot of different things. Some of them, you know, football and, and on that side, and some of them quite serious. And, and I wanted to ask you, because it feels like you have a tremendously thick skin. It feels like you're able to, and I've seen you go back at people. You're not, you're certainly no wallflower. You don't let people just kind of, you know, you know, say those things, do those things. But has that always been something in you or has that developed with maturity and with age? It's definitely developed. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think initially on Twitter and I was the first Radio 1 DJ to use Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah, back in 2009. Mm. And um, initially it wasn't a nasty place. Mm. Right. Mm. But then once I was on the Asian network, mm. you know, I remember having like a two or three day Twitter spat with Tommy Robinson. Wow. And then and then all of these guys wading in. Wow. And and you know, I used to be a battle MC. I grew up um in an era where I made a, a conscious decision very early. If someone called me the P word, I would I would punch them. Wow. Right. Right. I would I wasn't going to be Mahatma Gandhi. Mm. Right. I wasn't going to be that guy. Mm. So I kind of took that attitude to Twitter, mm. which meant that rather than just being conciliatory mm. and trying to build bridges, I was like, no, you're wrong. Mm. Straight up and down. Mm. So it has moved on and I have got a thicker skin, mm. but it's still the, the thing it hurts sometimes. It, uh, it used it hurt when I first got to Five Live because I was new. Mm. I was I was coming to a big new, quite angry audience because mm. I joined in September 2016, three months after Brexit mm. and two months before Trump became mm. president of the United States of America. Mm. I mean, it was an insane time. Mm. It was just horrendous. And I got a lot of stick, a lot mm. of stick, you know, from people. And then after about two years of 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 just getting angry and it making me insecure mm. i actually went god you're really good at this job mm. like you're not just average at this job you're like in the top five people at interviewing people mm. probably in the country mm. like you you know and that's not me saying it that's the countless amount mm. of Tom Yorks and mm. Damon Alburns mm. and mm. Sally Fields mm. and Christopher Ecclestons mm. and all these people, Chrissy Hind and mm. these people that are just like, that was my favorite interview. Mm -hmm. They did. And the amount, and, and this is listeners saying, <laughs> I've never heard an interviewer where so many of the interviewees say that was a really good question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is, I just get that all the time. Mm -hmm. So I had to just say to myself, I'm not going to let you tell me that I'm rubbish because mm. I'm not rubbish. Mm. I'm like literally on my A game. I'm Premier League <laughs> and I'm not even Premier League. I'm Europe. I'm Champions League spot, prim, like Premier League. Yes. Right. This is where I am in this game. Yes. And that, and that will sound arrogant to some, but actually it's about understanding your worth. Yes. Because people are constantly trying to undermine you. Yes. Right. And that's happened to me a, a few, quite a few times in mm. life. You know, it happened to me at Radio One. Mm. So it was amazing to feel that. 
to feel that validation. Mm. So now if someone says to me, the, the, the interest, the one that's always the most racist kind of code word, because mm. they don't want to say it, mm. is we know why you're there on the BBC. Oh. We know why you've got that job, oh. right? And you know what they're saying, right? Tick box, quotas, mm. they didn't have any other Asians, blah, blah, blah. And before that would have got to me, that would have got, well, yeah, maybe they're right. Mm -hmm. But now, no, nah. like, I'm just not having that. Like, I'm just like, yes. you're, I'm like, you're a racist. And if you want to come around and compare my CV with your CV, let's do this. Let's do it all day long. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'll take a picture of all the awards I've won mm -hmm. and I'll send it to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't make me take it there because I'll take it there. Yeah. Right. Because I'm not having it anymore. I'm just not having it. But you know what else I love is that there's almost this move that you can see because when you talked about it and, and I love I love how confident you are in your own ability. And, and you're right. Not everyone will get that. I know there are people who will listen to this going, what is this guy talking about? You, I know. But I also know that what I love about what you said was that it's not just the awards on the wall. It's not just the comments from people. There is something deep within you that had to understand that truth that you are really good at what you do. It's not yeah. just about those other validating things. It's that moment when you go in you you know, two years after joining Five Live, you go, I'm really good at this. Because like you say, that those people who turn around and say those things and, you know, they try and hide behind some, what they think is clever wordplay, th that, that, that can impact people. But I love the fact that you've gone, no, nope, I'm, I'm really good at what I do and I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. I think that's a great lesson for people. Yeah, it is. It is to believe in yourself. Yes. And, you know, look, I, you know, I did need external validation for that. Mm. There's no question mm. that I did. But, you know, um, when you're a minority, I think there's a certain and it's a minority as well mm. who 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 want us to remain humble. Right. Mm. Because they don't want us to be uppity. Right. Don't get above your station. Right. There's a, it's almost a colonial mentality that some people still have. Mm. Right. And they don't like it. Right. They don't want you to be like confident in yourself, your own abilities. They, they feel like you should be humble. And my parents' generation were of that, not necessarily because they were humble, but because mm. they were cowed. Mm. Right. They didn't mm. have they didn't feel particularly wanted here. Mm. They didn't feel as though. They were liked. Mm. And I've seen this in letters my dad sent back mm. to my mum, how he felt in the 60s mm. here. So they were cowed. They also were here in the 60s before a race relations act. Wow. So, you know, they, they weren't protected yeah. by, in, by the law. Whereas we are not that and our kids yeah. are not that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the generation where I've had gone through the tail end of that. Yeah. Learned to stand up tall and go, yes. no, I belong here. I'm yes. British. How dare you tell yes. me that just because a, a dog is born in a stable, it doesn't make it a horse. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Mm. Right. And my kids will feel... My kids will be like, well, yes, of course, of yeah. course we belong here. Yeah. Right. So that's, it's important that, you know, I'm not Niall Arthur, right? I'm Nihal Arthur Nika. Yeah. When you listen in, you know, my parents were not from this country. You know that I am the child of immigrants to this mm. country. Mm. You know it. Mm. And yet I'm at the heart of a national radio station. Mm. I'm not on the Asian network where we're supposed to be. Mm. I'm, I'm there. I'm in mm. the heart. And that is progress yes. because it's just normal yes. for me to be there. Yes. Right. 
and and starting next year, Naga Manchetti is going to be doing the show know, before I'm me. So excited about that! I know. Yeah, yeah that's great. So I know. So and that's fantastic, right? So that's an Asian man and an Asian woman. Yeah. And look, you can say, I don't care whether you're Asian. You're a good broadcaster. That's mm. all I care mm. about, and that's fine. Mm. And I absolutely mm. respect that. But to those Asian kids, yes, yes, right, yes, right, it matters. It matters. It really matters. It matters, and also it matters. It matters because someone somewhere might go, yeah, I don't like Asian people. And someone might go, do you know what, though? There's that Asian dude on Five Live. And he's a, they're, like, they're just normal people, <laughs> right? They're just normal. They like He likes football. He's got a dog. He's got kids. Right. I, I listen to him every day. Yeah. He may be Asian, but so what? Yeah. Just, just... Just the presence alone of a name that's different yes. is a is a bridge in itself. Yeah. Is a is a oh, normalization. Yeah. Absolutely. The hell, thank you so much for being on on the podcast. Um, before we let you go, um, is there anything you think God would want to ask you? In a flippant sense, he might say why did you have such long hair on your wedding day? No one had long hair like that. It wasn't fashionable, right? It didn't look particularly good. You knew that those photos would be with you for the rest of your life. Ever. Yeah, yeah. And yet you didn't cut your hair for mm. your own wedding. Mm. Like he might ask that question and he would be right to ask that question. Mm. Uh, mm. I think it was a question that even my, my brother mm. at the wedding, even he said that my dad would be looking down and would ask that question. Why didn't you cut your hair for your wedding? So even my, my, I think on a flippant sense, that's probably that's what God would want to know. What, what, what God, God would, God would, God would want to know. He'd also want to know probably just be happy with your body. Mm. <laughs> You've got a little middle-aged spread coming. Well, not coming. It's here. It's like hundred percent here. And, lo and lockdown has not helped no. to be fair. Um, and he'd say, look, just be happy. Yeah. with with your body shape yeah would, would probably they say and um and then he'll also say the same thing to Ramesh Ranganathan as well <laughs> well if Ramesh comes on the podcast I'll we'll find out what he said to him Which too yeah find out. yeah, find out. yeah. Uh, the, the good news is um it wasn't actually fatal now the bad news is it was Trump himself who brought you back to life he performed the CPR so you now have to tour with him on the rest of the tour because you are his his victory medal of uh, well, he literally saved your life well I think if we can bring two groups of people together through this tour, Trump fans and Nihal fans, and there, there is, I'm sure there's a Venn diagram. There's a Venn somewhere. There's somebody. Yeah, well, there's, you'll there's tweet. A, you'll tweet us. Exactly. My tweet. <laughs> probably. Um, then, yeah, maybe. Good. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad. Well, because, yeah, we, we, we sent you back. We send you back. So good. you've, you've, it wasn't fatal. You're back in the revolving chair. You even finished the interview and you managed to get to the end of it. So it's, it's a good outcome for everyone, really. Nihal, thank you so much for being on the program. I really, really do appreciate it. Matt, pleasure. I'll be back next time to kill off another guest and find out what they want to know on God Only Knows. God Only Knows is a dot, dot, dot production hosted by Matt White. The music is by Auburn Jam and the producer is Joel Porter. Thanks for listening. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.